Thanks, Steve. For those of you who are tracking with uh, the FCC newsletter that goes out, or maybe just even looking on your program, I'm the bearer of bad news. We are not continuing on with the AD series today. It will pick back up, um, but uh, today will be a... uh, Someone texted me actually after the first service and said, well, maybe we should just change it to MD for Mother's Day. So if you want to do that, if you're one of those type A kind of people and need it to be exactly that way... um, and, and you know, I'm just not taking, I'm not taking liberties because Rick's not here. I mean, some of those on staff who are, you know, kind of from up north and those types of things, sometimes they do those things, but I'm not one of those people. Um, Dana will listen to this recording and he'll come get me. Uh, that's okay. I love you, Dana. Um, so today is a day that we honor mothers. Today is a day that we set aside to say thank you, that we love you, that we appreciate you. I was... I was sent a link um, to a blog post this week by a gentleman in our church, and it really expresses my heart this morning. And so I want to read that to you. It's a blog written by a lady named Amy Young, and she says this. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, thank you, Lacey, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointed, disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married, And mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. We know your heart. (laughs) To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. 
We remember you and we say thank you. Today's a day to do all of this, and it's a day where we can see a glimpse of who our God is, of who our God is through the servant and the sacrificial character of mothers. You know, we see these qualities uh, as evident in mothers, right, that they are servants and that they are sacrificial. And sometimes it's not even just towards children, right? Those of you men in the room, um, Maybe some of you would be so bold as to put yourself in this category with me. You see, when Lacey or my mom growing up got sick, they, can, they just keep on trucking along. But I'm telling you, when I get sick, and I know when you get sick, the world ends, right? When we get sick, the world should stop. Everything should freeze for at least five days, and we should be waited on hand and foot, right? I'm like, can I please have some soup? Can I please have some Gatorade? Oh yeah, I need water. And can you carry me to wherever I need to go? And that just doesn't work out because I have a really little family, okay? And I'm very large. So, um, right, we know moms that uh, you have to mother us men as well. Um, So today, this is my hope. My hope is that we can allow the character that's been placed in, in mothers, this idea that they are servants and that they are sacrificial. And we can see that those characteristics placed in mothers and allow it to draw our attention to the God who has placed that character in them. So I want you to flip with me to Philippians chapter 2. Um, we're going to be there pretty much the whole morning. Philippians chapter 2. Right. I want to read verse 6 through 11 with you. It says this, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, right? There's that idea of a servant that is placed from Jesus himself into mothers, and being found in appearance as a man He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, right? The sacrifice. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a rocking chair up here with me this morning for a very specific reason. You know, we we live in a world that in many ways doesn't view a child as life until until they come out of the mother's womb. So they take their first breath outside of the mother's womb, and then it is considered life, right? Just think about it even from a simple standpoint. We don't even count age until they actually come out of the mother's womb. Or at the very best, we start recounting age at the uh, time when... A child is delivered. So in 2009, I found myself at a crossroads of what I was really going to believe and practice, right? Because what we believe affects what we really practice and how we live. And um, I ended up buying this, this porch rocking chair with another one that has since died and gone on um, to the dump. Uh, and I bought this rocking chair 
for Mother's Day in 2009 for Lacey. By the standard of much of the world, we weren't even parents at that moment, but by our God and by his grace, Lacey was a mom pregnant with her first child, Hallie Grace Lynch. And even though the world didn't see it this way, I gave her this gift because of who she was. Pregnant as she was, she was a mom. You know, in Jeremiah 1, we see God really speaking and telling Jeremiah, saying, look, I knew you before I even placed you in your mother's womb. And so I see things like that, and I see other things through Scripture. And I can't help but believe that even as a tiny little peanut, it's life. That God has breathed life into this child. And so Lacey was, a mom, Lacey was mom, and this rocking chair is simply a picture of the truth of who Lacey was and who she is. It was a picture of the truth, not what the world said, but of God's truth of who she was and is as a mom. And it's been that reminder for us, and it sits on our back porch still to this day. But here's the reality. The reality is that this identity as a mother isn't her truest identity. And mothers, it's not your truest identity either. If it is, if this is your truest identity as mom, what happens to you when your child disobeys you? You might tend to think that you're a bad mom, right? What happens when your child is incredibly successful? You might tend to pat yourself on the back and say, that you're doing a great job and you're a great mother and you are. But what about when they fail miserably the next time? Your identity's crushed, right? Your identity's crushed. What happens, what happens to you when a breakdown moment, when you have a breakdown moment and you yell at or treat your children in an ungodly way? What happens when your child wants nothing to do with you and possibly becomes the prodigal child who runs away from you, who runs away from family, and runs away from God. If your truest identity is that of a mother, then you may retreat. You may withdraw. What if something tragic happens and your child passes away from this earth? Even worse, what if, what if what happens in your life if your child passes away from this earth and steps into an eternal hell forever separated from God? What happens to you, Mom? Our identity will determine how we respond to anything and everything in this life. So in the midst of life's joys and pain, if your identity is found anywhere other than in the truth that you're a child of God, then you'll crumble. And it's only, it's, it's only when we surrender our life to Jesus, when we surrender our life to Jesus to be the king of our life, do we gain this identity, the only identity that is eternal. In Matthew twenty two thirty helps us understand this, right? It helps us to understand that when we step into heaven to be with God forever, that we won't have a husband or wife, right? It helps us to understand that we're not going to be parents because we're not going to have any time to do anything except praise Jesus as king with every ounce of our body 
every part of us, and that the eternal Father will be the Father to everyone. He will be the parent every second of every day that we need. So mother's not an eternal identity, but child of God is. While mom is who you are, child of God is who you are now and will always be. While mother is who you are, child of God is who you are now and who you will always be. In Philippians 2, right, Paul is, he's writing to this church who has a couple things going on. It's really trying to disrupt their unity and pull them apart. There's some things coming from people outside the church. There's some things happening within the church, those who are part of the church. And it's really trying to pull and disrupt the unity that is uniting them in Christ. And this is what, why Paul writes to them. And in this, he says, look, this is a matter of relationship with each other, right? He gets it, the unity with each other. You're, you're struggling with these relationships, but the reality is, is while you see it as a matter of relationship with each other, the reality is it's an issue between you and God. Right, that when we have issues with people, when you have an issue with me or I have an issue with you, the reality is that there's something going on here that's not in line with who he's created me to be. It was an identity issue that the church was going through. And identity issues are heart issues that must be dealt with only by the gospel of Jesus. And so that's why Paul calls their attention. If you look in chapter 2, verse 1 with me, I want to walk through this with you real fast. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, he is, he is right, we just read the 6 through 11 where he's saying, look, be servants, sacrificial love for each other, be united. But even before that, he says, in all of chapter 1 and even in the verse chapter 2, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, he's saying, look, this is an identity thing. Your unity is disrupted among each other because you're not remembering the unity that you have with Christ and that he gave everything for the sake of that unity. He gave his life. If you have any comfort from his love, right, this massive, massive love that he has poured out on us to give everything so that we could have a relationship with him. If any fellowship with the Spirit, not only has he loved us so much that he died on the cross for us, but he has loved us so much to give us the Holy Spirit of God so that we can have unity and oneness with him every second of every single day on this earth and into eternity with him, right? Fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, because we have all experienced the tenderness of God himself. We've experienced the compassion of him that says, you deserve to die and forever be separated from me. You deserve, we deserve the wrath of God to come on us and to not even have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. But he said, I have compassion on you. And I will show you mercy. I won't give you what you deserve. Instead, my son Jesus will take what you deserve on him so that you can have life, so that you can have hope, so that you can have joy, so that you can have purpose in this world and the next. It's this compassion that he's given us. It's this comfort that he has given us from Jesus himself. 2 Corinthians 1 even says, those of you who have been given the comfort of God, 
You've been given that comfort to give it to other people. And I bring that up to say, look, we've experienced it from other people, but it's only because, and we can only offer it to other people if we've genuinely experienced the comfort of the God of this universe. It's an identity thing is what Paul's saying. It's a heart issue. And moms, when the crushing force of the world comes, or maybe sadly just the crushing force in your home, when it comes, it'll break you to pieces. Because God never intended for you to wrap who you are into being a mom. But if your truest identity is in Jesus as a child of God, then you'll possess this, the character of a mom while, while you stand confident in the eternal identity of no matter what, I am his. No matter what, I am his. I am a daughter of the king. No matter what. Things in the world are going to distract you, moms, from your true identity. Things will distract you, and they'll make you feel worthless. They'll make you unfocused. But the cross of Jesus and his resurrection screams to you loudly that now he determines your worth, that now he determines your value and your purpose. It can only be found in Christ. That's life-giving, isn't it? That's freeing. That is freeing. Your merit to God is not based on how good of a mom you think you are or how good of a mom other people think you are. So you can be devastated that your child has run away from everything. They've run away from God in their life and without causing you, to question, you can go through this without causing your, you to question your effectiveness as a mother. If your identity is wrapped in the fact, the simple and profound truth that you're a child of God. You can go through the gut-wrenching pain of losing a child and still have purpose in this life and hope for an eternity with no more pain. You can fully realize your children are not yours, that they're God's. You can teach and coach your teenagers and your young adult children how to handle situations and how to struggle well through hard times, how to have hard conversations in a way that glorifies God instead of always running to their aid and taking care of everything for them. You can equip and empower your children to follow Jesus no matter the cost, no matter how far away from family and friends he takes you. Praise God, he gave me a mother who poured that into me. Thanks, Mom. That even before God asks or tells, the answer is yes no matter where that takes us. You can let go of the goal of your family being happy to really embrace running after Jesus and his mission for all of us to embrace people far from him and to really be about declaring that Jesus is Lord like we see Jesus himself was doing to the glory of God the Father that we would be about making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, that our life would be convinced and sold out for that purpose because this is his mission that he has called us into, and it is our identity. 
We can do this only because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus. If our identity is wrapped in him, if your identity is wrapped in him, mom, dad, man, woman, boy, girl in this room, only if we realize the great sacrifice of Jesus, only if we realize the servant king in Jesus who came to serve us so that we could have life, so that we could have freedom. If this is your identity, mom, right, we can stop idolizing our family. Please hear me say this with gentleness because I, I will admit I can be the first one on this bandwagon. Right, we can buy all these things and experience all the luxuries and the comfort of this life. We can say, you know what, for me, I'm not going to get those things, but for my children, they need the best, right? What's that rooted in? I'm not saying it's bad and it's not of God, but it's worth examining, right? Because in our culture, it is a cultural struggle that families in our culture who love Jesus struggle with idolizing our own families. And the scriptures tell us clearly that if anything comes between us and God, it's an idol, whether it's a thing or a person. Please don't hear me say we neglect our families and our children. No, that's sinful as well. Right? God has given us our families to pour into as our first ministry. But I think maybe the bigger struggle is under the umbrella of raising our children in Christ. We give no one else any time and we do everything to protect our home and we do everything for them. But what about, what about the millions of people around the world who don't know and follow Jesus? What about the teenagers and the young children who don't have parents who know and love Jesus, who can't even teach them who he is? What about your neighbor who falls into that category? God has placed you in their life to say, look, my identity is Jesus and I have freedom in Christ and it compels me to walk alongside you guys to help you understand who he is so you can have life and joy in your world as well. Right? We can stop idolizing our family when we realize our identity in Christ. We can put Jesus in his rightful place as Lord and King of our life. We just sang that is it true to the very core of who we are? Is it true? Philippians chapter 2, he, Paul goes on in verse 2. He says, if this is the case, if your identity is in Christ, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you, should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Look, there is so much to unpack in this, and we just don't have time to unpack it all. But what I really do desire, I was reading some stuff in preparation for this, and it began to really talk about this idea that humility, putting others before ourselves, is not thinking negatively or treating ourselves negatively or not thinking meanly even about ourselves. It's simply not thinking about ourselves so that others can truly be before us, so that we can have the same servant nature as Jesus himself, that we would humbly and sacrificially work 
for his glory and the good of other people. And this can only happen because of what Jesus has done, right? Moms, with gentleness, I would say to you, your children are part of those that he wants you to make disciples of. They are not the only ones. And I would put before you today that it might be the absolute best thing you could do in raising your children up in Christ to allow some other people into your life who you are pouring Jesus into. While you are being intentional in pouring Jesus into your children, that you are also allowing them to see what it looks like to walk with a family, to walk with other people who don't have hope in Christ, to walk with those who are going through hard times, and to allow your children to see what it looks like to really make disciples, to really declare with every ounce of your life, every single day, no matter where you are, at the workplace, in the home, at a restaurant, wherever, what it looks like for Jesus to be your Lord and to declare that to other people. For his glory, that's what Jesus says, right? For the glory of God, and his glory is made huge when we make him known to other people. It's about his glory. It's not about me. So we can't idolize our families. We must serve them and care for them and sacrificially give, but we cannot idolize them. I ran, a, I met a junior in high school this week, and uh, it was a situation where, honestly, he could have thought that I was this weird, creepy stalker dude, um, and sometimes I come across that way. I apologize if I've ever come across that way to you. Um, some in our small group sitting right here, I'm smiling at him right now. They tell me that often. Um, it's okay. Jesus loves me still. That's my identity, all right? Um, so I met this guy, and, uh, you know, I was trying to say, hey, look, this is what I do. I know these people. We had some overlapping. And in about a 15-minute conversation, it turned to faith things, things of faith. And in that conversation, he said one statement that has just rocked me to my core. I asked him about faith, and he simply said, you know, I lost my faith about two years ago because of my parents. That was it. It crushed me. It crushed me. But if we say, well, only my kids, what happens to this junior in high school? Do you get it? Do you get it? This is the life that he desires for us to embrace our identity in Christ so that we can be free to declare that he is Lord to all people, to all people. In Philippians 2, 8, let's read this together. Just verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Right? Jesus he was obedient even to death on a cross. There's an obedience factor here, but whose desire was it for Jesus to die on the cross? It was not his. We see that clearly as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane before he even gets arrested to go to the cross. It wasn't his desire to go to the cross. He tells the Father, if there's any way this could be taken from me, please, but your will be done, right? So it was a matter of obedience to his heavenly Father. It was obedience saying, in my humanness, I don't want this, but because you are God and you know what's best, yes, I will do it. I will step into that. And on the cross, his first thought, as hard as it is for us, was not you and me. His first thought was obedience to the Father to glorify him. 
And then it was on us, right? Motivation of love for you and me. And so to be the best mom possible, your laser focus has to be on, it must be on obeying God no matter the cost, whether you want it or not. But we can step into that because of what Jesus has done and given everything sacrificially serving us. And our identity as child of God says, yes, I want that because I find life when I obey him. That's the best thing to obey him, and then the desire of your heart will increasingly be for your children to obey God no matter the cost. I'm reading through this book right now. It's called You and Me Forever. Our small group's going through it. It's by Francis and Lisa Chan. Great book if you have a chance to, to pick it up and read it. But Lisa Chan says this. She says, do I spend more time focusing on being a good mom or more time focusing on being a godly person? Do your children see evidence of you having a burning desire to know God and make him known to others? Like, is this the number one thing they see in your life? She, she also says this. She gives an example. She said, look, it's the difference of this. She says, it's the difference between running each day off your own agenda versus spending time with Jesus to pray and to ask him how you should go about your day and to what people that he wants you to serve and to declare that he is Lord. There's a big difference there, right? And we're charged by Jesus to bring the kingdom of God into this world. We're charged by Jesus to bring the kingdom of God to the people of this earth. And we can do that because of who we are in Christ. So I challenge you to invite people into your life. Invite people into your life. It's the best thing that you could even do for your children as you minister to them. We can't get trapped in this culture of idolizing our family. We must love them, but we must idolize Jesus and his mission alone. God, we've got to embrace the Ephesians 2.10 vision for our lives that we are all God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you, that we should walk in them. Moms, you have a unique role in the kingdom of God. And he has great works for you. He has great works for you to do what he has planned before you were even born for you to step into. And your children are a massive, massive primary part of that. But don't stop there. Who knows? Who else God has, right? Who knows? Just think if Jesus would have stopped with the 12 disciples. Or even if he would have broadened that, even just stopped with the people who were present on the day of his execution. Just think if he would have stopped with just the people who were alive around the world when he walked the earth. We'd be in trouble. You're around people. The call in our lives to live out this servanthood and sacrifice to say, I'm going to put others before me. I can do that because Jesus has done, and he says I'm a child of God, and he doesn't measure who I am based on how I even do in that. But in that, I can say, you know what, my life is to serve for the good of these people, and their good is to know Jesus. So we declare he's Lord to Christ followers and those who are not. Every single person, every day, all day, however he says to do it. However he says to do it. 
You know, here's the reality. As a father, when my life on this earth ends, I don't want to stand before God and have him say, why did you hinder your children and your wife from doing everything I called them to do? I don't want that question to be posed to me by God. Look, before coming to FCC, uh, you know, we've been with FCC for about four years now. We, we Lacey and I struggle with this. We had, we're pretty insecure, to be honest, in saying, what do we have to offer such a large church? We were coming from a much smaller church. What do we really have to offer? This was an identity thing. It was an identity thing in us really believing who God said we are in him and that he is everything that we need, right? So if we wouldn't have trusted that God was the one equipping us, wouldn't have trusted him in that way, that he was the one sending us, then we would have missed out on the most amazing four years to date in our life, to be honest. As we step into this next season of planting Jesus in this community and seeing a church form as we just go about making disciples and people are surrendering their life to him and following him and they're going and teaching other people how to obey him and on and on and on and on. This is our desire. We know we're going about things, guys, in a non-traditional way. Not to be rebels, but because God is compelling us. We have everything we could ever want for our family here with you guys. Amazing men, women, children, families we can do life with in a genuine way. Families who pour into us and we get the opportunity to be intentional in their lives as well. We have a salary that blesses us beyond our needs. But if it were about our happiness, the reality is we'd stay here. We'd stay with you. Because this is amazing. But it's not about our happiness. It is about continuing to declare that Jesus is Lord every single day as we obey him as Jesus obeyed the Father to make disciples so that we can join him on his mission because our true identity is a child of God and he determines our role on this mission. That's enough in and of itself. That's enough to hear well done, my good and faithful servant. And hopefully on this earth to get to experience broken people, people who are walking around dead to get to experience them understanding and realizing who Jesus is and to be given life and hope as we serve them and share Christ with them. That's our desire. Family can't be our sole focus, right? It's scary, but it's even scarier. It's even scarier to think about what we would miss by not surrendering to God and his desire for us. Lisa Chan says one more thing that I want to read to you. She says, then when you step into that life of doing whatever he says to do, complete obedience to him because your identity is child of God, then you will really cry thinking, I could have missed all of this because I wanted my daughter to stay at this school or for her whole life or because I was so afraid of how this might affect my son or because I'm just so selfish could have missed all of it. 
the call for all of us is to allow ourselves to have a rocking chair moment. To have a rocking chair moment where we embrace the truth of Ephesians 2.10 and we step into our truest identity. Our truest identity as a child of God created for good works in Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul says, look, when we came to you, this is a dude speaking, by the way, we came to you, we loved you as a mother loves her children. We loved you as a mother loves her children. And he goes on and he says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. I bring that up because this is not just a call to mothers. As anyone who's in Christ, our identity is child of God. Our identity is child of God. And our identity is to follow Jesus and his mission for our lives, to be about declaring that Jesus is Lord for his glory, for his glory alone. And it's only as we embrace that that we can be the servant that Jesus was sacrificially giving for the good of others to know and follow him. So moms, the best gift, the best gift that you can give your children is not being an amazing wife or the most caring mother in town, but being completely devoted to Jesus and his mission that he has given every Christ follower to declare that he is Lord for the glory and praise of God. Pray with me. Father, we, we're grateful, and we just want to recognize